I, I think it might be time to, it's not, it's not. to say why we brought you on to this, uh, this podcast. So can you share with us? Oh, yeah. Give the thing. Yeah. Can you show it? Yeah, just whip it out. Sound, speeding, camera, rolling. Scene 13, take 303, mark. Welcome to Take 303, powered by 4-Way Media, the podcast with the guy who knows a lot about film. And his friend. I'm Nick Molinari. I'm J.P. Brooks. Today we're talking film, television, and today we're talking about The Flash and Tenet. But also, you forgot one thing. And my friend, Mike Johnson. Welcome, Mike, to the podcast. Happy to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Uh, so, Mike, I'm going to be honest. I'm so glad this movie came out when it did because we just happened to start the podcast. And I was like, how can I get Mike on the show? How, what is he an expert in? And you are an expert in The Flash. And we're going to reveal to you guys later why that is. But just thought I'd leave something there for now. Andy Machete's The Flash stars Ezra Miller, Sasha Kaye, and Michael Keaton. The Flash takes place sometimes after the Justice League movie, where The Flash is trying to change his past by bringing back his mother. And unfortunately, when he goes back into the past, after messing with some time travel, he runs into himself and cannot get back to the present and must now try to correct what has happened. And I don't think I need to say anything more than that. Nope. Sound good? Yes. Because re- they revealed a lot in the trailer, so to say all that, pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, and there's so much that happens in this movie that we don't want to spoil for you. You definitely want to go out to the theater and see. We're going to dance around some of that. Mike, before we start and really get into this movie, um, there's a reason uh, you're here. And I mean, I know I like comic books and I like superheroes and stuff like that. Nick? Everybody in the room, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I have to give Mike a little bit of the edge and credit here. Uh, Mike, can you do me a favor? Can you list off all the television shows that you watch about superheroes? Every one of them? Yeah, just go for it. Not just DC? Like, are we I don't care. Just name them. As many yeah. as you can. Yeah. All right, well, we'll start with DC. I watched The Flash, obviously. Green Arrow. Uh, Legends of Tomorrow. <sighs> wow. Uh, Star Supergirl. Uh, Batman, uh, Superman and Lois. Batgirl. Smallville? Smallville, I've seen every episode. Uh, there's Stargirl, Doom Patrol, Teen Titans, Titans. Every DC show that exists, I've watched. Marvel, uh, Daredevil, all the Marvel shows too. Iron, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Ironheart or Iron, Iron, or Fist? Iron Fist, Luke, Luke Cage, Jessica Jones. This list goes on. Every Marvel and DC show that's come out, I've seen it's funny when you list off that that list i'm like i've seen that i, I haven't seen that i've seen that I've, I, I haven't seen that 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 and then like it circles back mm-hmm. yeah i think you've always been my friend by the way best friends in sixth grade uh in a lot of ways when i when i think of you two because you two are two different worlds for me i met mike in grade school i met you in high school but mike was like the original prototype for nick <laughs> nick gave like the browner version you know yeah the upgrade, you yeah know? Um, but just like every movie nowadays, the white guy plays <laughs> by a minority. Yeah, I had to check out Minority Box if you did that. Uh, but in a lot of ways, um, it's so good that for me, it's like have two guys who I've grown up with my whole life and um, who know me best. But I, I could definitely say my best BFSSG, best friends in sixth grade. So, but you were always the guy who watched a lot of TV. I was not a TV person or a movie person. And if I could share this one story. Um, the the first memory I had with you in movies was for your birthday. And I know we talk about this story all the time. Uh, do you want to tell or you want me to tell? You can tell. Okay, good. Well, I'm gonna I'll add anything Great. I need to, but you tell it. Well, first off, I don't even remember. What movie were we going? Harry Potter, right? We were going to see Harry Potter and The Order of the Phoenix. And the Order of the Phoenix, which is the fifth one. The fifth one, yes. Arguably one of the worst we were, ones, but... Yeah. <laughs> we were with your high school buddies. And, Nick, do you know what else was coming out at that time? It was a rom-com that I happened to mention last episode. I love you, Beth Cooper. Ah. <laughs> and so Mike was like telling us before, I want to go see I Love You, Beth Cooper. And I'm like, yeah, we should go see that. And uh, did we go see I Love You, Beth Cooper? No. <laughs> the other people in the group were really pressuring Mike to go see Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix. And I liked Harry Potter. You read the books, I read the books. Um, but in protest, I took a couple of other friends of ours and we went to go see I Love You, Beth Cooper while they watched um, <laughs> uh, Order of the Phoenix. Yeah. I still think Al Gets Cooper is a better movie, but... It was a weird birthday for me, to say the least. (laughs) 
So that being said, I think we should start off. Mike, what do you think of the movie? So I'm going to start by saying, I love The Flash. love all things Flash, comics, movies, shows. The movie was good. Not great. Good, not great. I didn't hate it. I loved watching it. I loved Ezra Miller's take on The Flash. Uh, I loved the storyline they put together. Could have been orchestrated a tiny bit better. It's redundant to complain about CGI at this point, because that's where we are with DC movies. As a movie, really, really good, solid movie. Do we have any, like reactions to the reactions like how was our how was the movie going experience like the other audience members we had some we had some cheering and applauding what did you have i had two assholes next to me who wouldn't shut the hell up the entire friggin movie yeah we had a group behind us that was kind of doing the same ish directly next to me they started whispering so it wasn't too bad but no they did not whisper and it all started with that first scene where they laughed hysterically the baby scene. Oh, oh the baby scene. Baby. Yeah, the they baby. laughed the entire scene. And sure, funny. It wasn't that funny. Not though. that funny. Did they laugh too hard at everything? Yes. Oh. Almost everything. Laughter, comments. I understood. I talked to my wife about a few different things. I commented, whispered. The entire movie, they had something to say. Bad everything. It's Brooklyn, so some comments are expected. Uh, we had some laughs. We had. Some laughs, some cheers. I know from you, at one particular point, you went off. I mean... <laughs> His dreams came true, basically. My dreams came true, and if you follow the podcast, you can figure it out. But Yes. It's just, now, did I get everything? No. There was one particular thing that I wanted. It didn't happen, but trust me, that was enough. But we should talk about all the things that we did get out of this. Sure. So, um, I have a question for everybody in the room. Uh, did we understand the significance of Back to the Future? I mean, in a sense, but not, I'm assuming not in the way that you're imagining. <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> one of my uh, leading nice. questions. Yeah. <laughs> um, the only thing I'm going to think, well, obviously it's a movie about time travel. Mm-hmm. Right. And now I'm assuming it has something to do with Eric Stoltz. Yes, it does. Was he gypped of the role or something? Yes, he was. He was supposed, <laughs> I knew it. Yeah. I was thinking Eric Stoltz is important. Yeah, because as soon as they mentioned Eric Stoltz in the movie, I I went on, I laughed because I knew what that meant. It took everybody else in the audience, uh, at least where we were, t- a few minutes to figure it out. But basically, long story short, Back to the Future starred Eric Stoltz originally. Oh, they actually casted him in the role, and they filmed for three weeks. And then they realized three weeks later, the director said, "This guy isn't good. Like it's gonna suck." So he told the studio, I, th- I think it's Universal Pictures, and he told the studio, we got to replace him with this this Michael J. Fox guy. Just wow. trust me, it'll be okay. And they were like, and it's Robert Zemeckis uh, that was the director, but he was... Yeah, Robert. Yeah, yeah, Bobby. Bobby, Bobby. yeah. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, they told him, that's a crazy thing. We spent so much money in the last three weeks. They shot the entire clock tower mm-hmm. scene. Oh, wow. All with Eric Stoltz. Wow. So they had to reshoot everything. And then... Bring... And that's the big budget point in this movie, right? Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah, so they reshot it with uh, Michael J. Fox, and then it becomes legendary, iconic, Back to the Future. Yeah, I can't imagine it not having Michael J. Fox. Yeah, and you can actually... If you go onto YouTube right now, it the footage is there. The, the Eric Stoltz Yeah, version. the Eric Stoltz version. There's oh, only maybe it. like 20 minutes left of it because that's all they shot, realistically. Now I gotta see it. But it's insane. And then if you think, who in the room knows who Eric Stoltz is? I have no idea. I know, but you're going to have to remind me. Uh, remember Pulp Fiction? Yeah. Uh, the guy who's like, he has the book about how to use the adrenaline. Uma Thurman uh, ODs. Mm-hmm. Oh, and, yeah. And yeah. uh, they go back to the drug dealer's house. And then he's like, I don't know how to use this needle, the, the adrenaline shot. He's like, you're going to have to give her the shot. Okay. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's that guy. Oh, wow. The director is the the guy who did uh, it yes. and Mama. Yes, and he must. I think he's a really big like comic book fan because he did some good fan service that if you really like know like the history behind certain things, you can see like so much love behind this. So there's one cameo of who plays Superman. <laughs> now, which one are we talking about? The uh, the Green World, I think. 
Now that was the Nick Cage one. Yeah. Yeah. So the Tim Burton Superman that never got released. Yeah. Yeah. So that was a, a movie that was written, and they never released it. It was supposed to be Nicolas Cage fighting a giant spider, and that's exactly mm-hmm. what you see oh in the multiverse shots. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So that's what I'm saying. Like, there's little things here and there that if you know the history of, of movies and particularly with superheroes, there's so much fan service in this. Yeah. And Those can, are some of my favorite parts of this movie. Yeah, and even if you don't know that Nick Cage is supposed to, it's Nick Cage, and he's such a meme himself that to see it is just funny. Yeah. And they, they intended the long hair. That was, like mm-hmm. a, that was a conscious thing that they wanted for Superman. That's how he was supposed to look in the movie. Oh. Yeah. That's just not being silly. That's no. Legit. Yeah, yeah. There was supposed to be a thing where I think it was like he grows the hair so that way no one would know he's Clark Kent. That kind of thing. Yeah, this is a good. It's a good movie. I I had a good time. I think this movie was. I was. I enjoyed it a lot more than I thought I was gonna. Expectation thing, but I was like, I'm gonna give this movie a chance, though. Right? You always give a movie a chance, and I. You guys, I think, are really gonna have to like talk about the issues because I just had so much fun. I really didn't. I didn't care too much about the issues besides the CGI, which I obviously I think you guys gonna get to. Even I looked at Nick in the first five minutes, like you could tell immediately. Yes, big CGI issues. But besides right. that, you know, I'm okay. But um, I think a standout scene for me. I really liked Barry talking to himself at one point, and like telling him to like, like man up. You know, really, like, you, you're not taking this seriously. And, he, you know, you know he's talking to himself. Mm-hmm. And I just think back, I think I really relate to that scene, I, how much I wish, you know, how much do we all wish we could talk, go back, our future self to talk to our past selves and not realize. So I think that was a very human scene for me, and I don't think I've ever related to any Flash iteration. I never, not that I hated the Flash, I just never really found a reason to like him. And I think he's likable for me now, and I definitely, I'd like to see another movie with him. I think some of the character work in the beginning is really good. Not so much towards the end, though. Mm. I feel like it it kind of gets crazy and lost in the sauce again of, like, the multiverse. Yeah. And, like, there's only certain movies that can really pull it off, and certain movies you lose a little bit in there. So what was your favorite scene? I think it would either be between the baby scene. <laughs> yeah. Like, it was just, not, like, it. it's iconic. In a sense. And then if I had to pick another, I just like the action sequence of uh, Batman fighting for the first time. Yeah, when they're going to to the Russian place. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, that's pretty cool. And Mike, what about you? Favorite scene? <sighs> Favorite scene. And it could be one we've already said. Oh, it was pointed out to me by my brother-in-law. The scene of old man Keaton fighting the two Barrys was probably one of my top scenes and coming back into form after years of just being yeah. a billionaire and, and watching one Barry get battered mm-hmm. yeah. and the other one just totally dodging everything yeah that was a really good scene in my head does Michael Keaton steal the show for you a little bit oh yeah here hands down yeah I was thinking about ways this movie could have been better mm-hmm. how much better this movie could have been if they never showed Michael Keaton in the actual trailer. I understand your point of view. <laughs> the shock factor alone of him being in the movie and everyone having no idea whatsoever. And having such a huge part in the right. movie. And being, yes, yeah, such a main focus. I, I have to agree. I So I unfortunately, I don't know if they originally wanted to show that or not. What I think the issue was, well, the, uh, Ezra Miller, the actor... Was having this has been having some controversy in the news, so I think like they almost have to put it in. And I also just think the stigma of a DC movie just is probably if you have to be a betting person going to be bad. You almost have to give them a reason besides it's just the Flash because I'm not sure how many people will come out to really want to go see the Flash. Obviously, once people hear that you got to go see it, there's this awesome thing happening. Go take a look. Sure, but I think because even in our theater. As soon as Michael Keaton came on the screen, you heard, oh, gee. <laughs> That's literally what somebody shouted out. And it was like, yes. yeah. So I get where they're coming. I, yeah, obviously it would have been better in a perfect world. But I think with some of the controversy surrounded, not that I want to talk about that, 
if you don't ethically feel up to paying the money to see the flash like skip that kind of thing yeah i mean they're doing the bull and the brave and i think that we we were both saying like it felt like one of those team up like comic book team ups where they have like uh batman and green lantern team team up for like a a one shot or something like that like that's what this movie felt like yeah i almost got buddy cop vibes like from this one we just saw yeah like it almost felt to me like flash but rush hour okay i mean like one of those comedy action movies but it's about like the silly goofy pair right like i don't think this movie could have stood if it was just flash by himself um i i think it might be time to to say why we brought you on to this uh this podcast so can you share with us uh oh yeah the thing yeah you show it yeah just whip it out so i don't know if you can all see (laughs) i got this was my second tattoo ever and the other side is not done yet but it's going to have the reverse on it and those who know the flash know that there is a regular and a reverse flash so they knew about my interest and said, yep, we have to get him on, and I agreed wholeheartedly. And knowing how much of a Flash fan you are, uh, do you, how do you like the handling of the origin in this Flash movie? So I like the idea of using Flashpoint, and for those who don't know, Flashpoint is the key pivotal moment of any Flash anti- antithesis? Is that the word? I don't know. Any Flash anything. Flashpoint is when Barry goes back to save his mother from dying. And inadvertently causes a whole chain of events, which is what this movie basically is. And it's any Flash series or comic or anything has Flashpoint in it. And that's what it's called. So I like the idea of using Flashpoint because it's so key to the story of Barry Allen growing as a person and the Flash growing as a hero. So I love it. And they're and them using it as a stepping stone to move forward into a new DCU. I think that's a solid idea. I liked the fact that um that we didn't get the typical origin story of watch them get their powers, yet mm-hmm. we still got to watch them get their powers. Mm-hmm. So they did such a clever way of going about it. Absolutely loved it. Um because we've already seen the flash with his power. So you know, so how do you go about it? I think they did a very clever job at that. And then there is character development in this which I find great. Um, there's a couple movies I can think of, superhero movies, maybe not off the top of my head, I can think maybe character development was lacking, <laughs> for lack of a better word, maybe, perhaps, maybe had like two maybe hours. too and, fast. Two right. hours and 30 minutes and nothing happened. That's weird. Yeah, but this one had a resolution, so I gotta give this one to a superhero movie with a resolution. Love that. Basically, when they go to fight the big bad, unfortunately, Flash just doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Completely irrelevant. I also found it very interesting that they didn't delve too much into the mom's death. Mm-hmm. Like, they obviously, like, they covered it and they had him, like, reunite with her. But they didn't get, like, too deep into, like, figuring out who did it. Yes. That kind of thing. It's there. You wonder about it. But there are other things going on. Right. It wasn't so important to the story. And they were just like, yeah, she died. Like, he came up with, like, different ideas. But not necessarily, like, we didn't find out who it was, and it wasn't like, that's that's the bad guy for Flash 3 or something like that, you know? It's a good point, because usually the killer of Barry's mother is a huge part of the Flash story. Almost always, it's the reverse Flash. My only question is, and did you know who, like, you're an expert, so you probably knew who that was when he gets shoved out in time? Oh, yeah. You knew who that was. Did you know who it was? I did not. I, I, I thought it was going we to be the person yeah. I thought it was going to be the person who killed his mom or something like that I actually didn't think they were related at all I thought that's weird maybe they'll come back later <laughs> so I did have multiple ideas because usually when the flash or a speedster messes with time there's a thing called a time wraith that goes after the speedster is messing with time so I thought it could have been that but then later on it started to click more that that's not the case all right. Uh, that being said, are we ready for some things we didn't like? Yeah. I'm good. Mike? Yes. So, Mike, what didn't you like? <laughs> Ooh, I didn't like. So, again, I'm going to stay away from the CGI because that's 
But we could we could still technically <laughs> talk about it. Okay. Because that was like the first yeah. thing I talked about yeah. as soon as you left the theater. Well, if you don't want to touch a dick, we'll take care of it. That's fine. I'll let Nick handle that. You can take the CGI. Sure. For me, there was a little bit of a rush to it. I know it was an almost Ironic that you say there's too much of a rush right? in the flash. Right. I know it was almost a three-hour movie, but I feel like they put so much into his story that it felt like it kind of just sped along, you know? Hmm. But, I'm sh- but um, I liked the character growth, but I feel like there could have been a little bit of delay in that. Like, I feel like they clicked too quickly, in a sense. Uh, the other Barry caught on to his powers a little faster, which was pointed out to me that he was more competent than OG Barry, which could have been him growing up with parents, but there wasn't really enough information as to how he learned everything so fast. I, I was going to take that as blind confidence. Like, you're not really aware of the dangers, so you're just willing Which to go is for it. what was brought up to me. Yeah. That. But again, for me, that was something I'm not really a fan of, is when mm. someone comes into their own too fast. I took it as movie logic, where, like, anytime, like, a bad guy gets the powers of a good guy, like, the same power, he just immediately knows how to use everything. <laughs> Alright, that's fine. But other than that... Yeah, it was really just the story kind of speeding along to a conclusion. I think something to answer that is the amount of protagonists we have in this. Which I feel treads into Spider-Man 3 territory where there's so many villains. Tobey Maguire, Spider-Man 3. Yeah. Uh, So I think just having the two Barrys, having Michael Keaton, having Supergirl tossed in at random at the end. Well, not really at random, but having her tossed in. For about 30 minutes. Yeah, like it's just it adds the more characters you keep adding, you still have to give them an arc. Mm-hmm. I thought hers was nice and tight. Maybe not great, but I it was, it was succinct because she has such a small part, so it yeah. had to go fast. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I, don't know, yeah, uh, I actually, I, I was actually okay with the pacing of this movie. Ironically, I don't know why that is. Uh, call me a sucker, but I kind of liked it. I think my biggest issue is something you've already hinted at, Nick, which is, yeah, all I'm thinking is, like, when all this is happening and they're trying to resolve the Supergirl issue, right, what keeps happening, it's like, all you have to do is just be there. Like, you don't, like, they're fighting in the desert. Just walk over there. There are no buildings. Because isn't it, like, one thing I know about the Flash is, the way you stop the Flash is just by giving him a lot of problems and things to do. Right, distraction. Just distraction, because the Flash is way overpowered. Right. He's one of the strongest just by time travel alone. Yes. Um, so you always have to give him distraction and thing, and that feels like the only way to nerf the Flash. Yes. Um, so CGI, sometimes I feel like his body isn't matching up with the suit in some sense. The characters that are brought in from like different movies... Some of them work, some of them don't. When the camera starts moving around them, you can start seeing like the glossiness to them. And then basically the whole third act, that is the multiverse, when everything is starting to like collide in each other, it starts feeling very quickly like a one of the Transformers movies that we don't like, where it's just like everything <sighs> happening in front of us. All right, who is the best character and the worst character? The the Barry that he meets, not the OG, the eighteen year old, okay. um, who doesn't have the powers, right? When at first, which is funny because I actually like him more than the other. <laughs> no, I, I, he, but he ruins the moments. He's way too silly. He's way too. He he gets really annoying because I find like, yeah, some of his jokes are good, some of them are not. But he just he, at some points he's really annoying for me. So I'm, I'm like on OG Barry's side, the one who first got like, I'm annoyed, I'm like annoyed with him a little bit, so. Nobody really stand out for me in this film too much. I kind of like the mom a lot for whatever reason, I don't know if I'm crazy for saying that. I just. My least favorite was uh, Supergirl, because we did not get enough. I did not get to connect with her in any way, shape, or form. I'm gonna agree Supergirl was the worst character for me. But I'm gonna say, in a dual sense, I think the Flash was my favorite character. The the two of them. Hello. 
Future of Sounds, your cell phone. That was the computer. Yeah. That I think Ezra Miller playing against Ezra Miller at the same time, I thought that was an interesting dynamic. There's a lot of movies where characters, uh, actors play dual roles where they clone themselves and stuff like that. And I think he did a really good job. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. definitely agree. They're definitely two different characters in my head. I also, I, I obviously like Michael Keaton. I, I got the chills as soon as I see him on screen. Granted, it was on in the trailer, but you know, then I, then I saw it in the movie. But I felt like there was a little bit inconsistency with his character especially when he starts talking about the multiverse, like that our character from 1989 is starting to talk like our characters from, you know, the 2020s. Well, so the problem with that is it doesn't matter what time frame they take place from, the comics are universal. But I meant more like uh, like Michael Keaton's Batman seems very grounded. In okay, sense, like, I got you, I understand. He was like a street guy and then right. now he's talking now about he's talking, like, okay. all the science. That I understand. Yes. Like, like where, where did he get that, that from? Okay. okay. And do you like this movie and how they handle the multiverse? Yeah, they handle the multiverse because they don't spend a lot of time on it. That's why I think it's good. He's not jumping from place to place to place. He goes to one place, he's stuck there, I gotta get back home, I gotta fix this. And even though the climax ends up being multiversal, I'm still not hopping around everywhere. Yeah, this is time travel, but it was also multiversal. In my head, it's... He time-traveled and changed one little thing, which meant he was no longer in his universe. He was in a different universe. Because that one little piece of information connected him to a different place. So yeah, it's time-travel, but it's also multiversal. And I like the idea that the two can be connected. Do you think about that? That's a good point. As we're talking about it, I liked your, your point that we're in one reality instead of multiple and jumping back and forth. Because I feel like that's where, like, certain movies... Certain movies. Certain movies. Might have an issue. Uh, might have an issue where they're jumping back and forth the mm-hmm. whole time, and you don't really get to, you know, live in, a, in an alternate reality. So I liked that part. They talked about Future of the Flash. They said it will get a sequel if it does the same... Uh, if it does as well as the Batman. Okay. So it's too early to tell yeah. just yet. How much does it have to hit? Uh, I imagine probably close to, a, I want to say a billion? I think so. Is that how much it made total after everything was said and done? In box office, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I'll double check that. But keep talking. But, um, so yeah, they have to perform as well as the Batman did, and they have some ideas drafted for that. Now, Mike, this question is more for you, I think, than, than JP. But where do you want the future of The Flash to go? Ultimately... I feel it's not the Flash if you don't address the Reverse Flash. Because the Reverse Flash is such a pivotal part of any Flash story that for me, you have to bring him to the big screen if you're going to continue with the Flash's storyline. And I think the two butting heads with the way, if they keep Ezra Miller with the way he plays the Flash, butting heads with a hero who is literally the opposite of him would make a fantastic story. Who do you see as a good reverse flash? So it needs to be someone older. The reverse flash is almost always an older character. I'm not saying like 50, but like 30s, low 40s. What actor that could be? I'm not really good with actors. I got one. Hit me. Get me the no country for old men guy who walks around with the thing that shoots people. Javier Bardem? Yeah, get me Javier Bardem. He's way too old. Yeah, that's why I want him. <laughs> I think that's, that guy is Anthony Starr I don't know from The is. Boys. He plays Homelander on The Boys. Ooh. Oh, my God. I don't know how much we know about The Boys, but Homelander is Joe. Oh, I watched the an evil Superman. That would be cool. I think he could portray, because the reverse flash is supposed to be a good person in Barry's life who tricks him later on. So I think Anthony Starr could play that betrayal role. Final thoughts and ratings? Okay. Final thoughts and ratings. Nick, I'll go first, all right? <laughs> no, no, no. You know what? You, you've been going first a lot lately. I'll go first for you. We're in the multiverse. All right, keep going. Different old, <laughs> different, different reality. So, again, I really enjoyed my time at The Flash. Does everything work? Not so much. I think there are some good ideas in there. I think it's very fresh. I love 
from the moment it started, I felt like I was watching a movie made for the fans because like you see the title screen come up and it stops short because a bunch of characters are screaming at them. I, I love that kind of comedy throughout the movie. I do think uh, some character arcs aren't really being answered at the end. It feels a little bit too rushed, not to you know mm-hmm. beat it over the head, mm-hmm. but I think it's a it's a decent blockbuster. I think maybe if it had a longer runtime with less characters, it could have been really really something. But I do think it's a really awesome comic book movie, so I'm going to give it a three out of five. Agreed. Solid movie. Certain problems that, you know, whatever. They weren't too huge to destroy the movie. Uh, on a whole, for me, I can't go low, but I can't go high, so I'm just going to stick it with a four. Because it wasn't amazing, but I don't think it was a horrible movie. And again, I'm biased towards The Flash, so it's a four for me. Five, but last ten seconds of the movie, you know why. Five, just for the last Just for the last ten seconds of the movie, it's a five. Real rating's probably a four, but last ten seconds, it's a five, baby. Let's go. Don't ever doubt me in my predictions. I know everything. Spider-Man, beyond the Spider-Verse people, I'm coming for you. I'm coming. I don't know if that's your honest... I don't know if that's going to be your real review, but I'm going to leave that in. (laughs) I'm not letting you edit over that. All right, so this is a good time for a commercial break. Afterwards, we will be talking about Tenant. Imagine yourself in the back wetlands, alligators all around you, a camera crew. You've seen plenty of shows of people hunting animals. You've seen people wrestle tigers. You've seen people wrestle crocodiles. You've seen Steve Steve Irwin's son go for crocodiles. They are crocodiles, and they are crocodile hunters. Well, I'm none of those people. I'm the crocodile hunter who hunts crocodile hunters. And that's me, Kevin! I wait for the perfect moment. I watch men as they wrap crocodiles around them, and I jump on the other side and strangle him by the fucking throat. You want to see real live action? You want to see hands come out of a swamp completely disguised as a bush? Watch as the crocodile hunter, in the most perfect moment, in his most dangerous moment, absolutely get eaten by another crocodile because of me. Watch as me and my son with a handheld camera go behind the scenes and come watch us on the brand new Rediscover channel where we rediscover other people's great inventions by ruining them. Watch us every morning at 11.30 a.m. right before Tech 303 drops. We are also powered by Fort Wayne Media and we want to thank Nick for always coming out, putting his life on the line as we end other people's. And we're back and we're talking 2020's Tenant. Directed by Christopher Nolan, starring John David Washington, Robert Pattinson, Elizabeth Debicki, and Kenneth Branagh. Who's the main guy in this movie? The protagonist. Right, he doesn't have a name, right? Yeah. Who's the actor? Uh, John David Washington. Washington, okay. Yeah, he's uh, Denzel's son. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, shit. Denzel Washington's son. The tenant follows our main character called the protagonist. Played by Washington. Washington starts off working for an agency, completing a job in an opera house. Once the job is completed, he is given another task to try to take down an arms dealer as the threat of plutonium and nuclear war is coming in. Along the way, he discovers that there is much more behind this arms dealer as the arms dealer is believed to be messing with time travel. We follow Washington as he tries to put all the pieces together to stop this time-traveling arms dealer from destroying the world. I'm glad that you're the synopsis guy and not me, because that's a tough one to do today. Was that good? It's good, but I'm just saying it's a a tough job today of of all. Oh, yeah, with multiple Yeah. So it was, yeah, I think that's, I don't think that doesn't give too much away. We're good with that. I don't know how else to describe that movie pretty shortly. Yeah, but initial thoughts, what did we think? You, I'm still lost a little bit. Like I've watched seven YouTube videos about what this movie's about. I did homework, but I like movies that make me do homework. Some of them yes, some of them no. I think this one's cool because, as we described with The Flash, as you tackled, which I think is a great point, about how they combine multiverse and time travel, this is one of the best takes on time travel and how to use it, and it doesn't even come close. 
So um, what a refreshing take on time travel. I was genuinely interested. Yes. When the synopsis said time travel, I was waiting for time travel until finally I realized they are traveling in time to travel in time. And the entire movie, I was so confused at people moving backwards and forwards until finally at the end, I was like, oh my god, it makes sense now. And I love movies, again, that also make you think. And something with Christopher Nolan, Nolan movies, like Eddie and I, we've, we talk about this every time he puts out a new movie. Like when Inception came out, we were like, we're going to experience dreams in a way that we never did. When Interstellar came out, we were like, we're going we're gonna to understand probably like space travel through this movie. Like nobody in NASA figured it out, but he definitely figured it out. And when it came out, when Tenet came out, we were like, this guy knows how to time travel. We're, we're sure of it. Like, he's just going to tell it to us. Even though I know he's made a lot of great films, I just don't think I get that, oh, Christopher Nolan's making a movie, I need to go out and see this. And yet, yeah, now you mentioned, like, Inception, he did The Dark Knight, right? Mm -hmm. Not Dark Knight. The Dark, Dark Knight trilogy. trilogy. He did the whole thing? Yeah. Dark Knight, Dark Knight. Oh, that's wow. like, considered, yeah. I didn't even know that. What else has he done? Yeah, give me a few more if you can. Or as the resident Christopher Nolan fan here. <laughs> or Google, yeah. No, no, I, I got you. I got it. <laughs> I want to know, because I know I've seen Inception, Dark Knight, now I've seen Tenet. So he did Following was his first movie, then Memento. Okay, Memento. Insomnia, uh, The Prestige, The Dark Knight Trilogy, uh, Inception, Interstellar, uh, Dunkirk, and... Now Oppenheimer is the next one. He's after. doing Oppenheimer. Yeah. Which is referenced in Tenet, right? Yes, it is. Mm -hmm. Or is it referenced in Inception? No, it's referenced in Tenet. Yeah. They mention Oppenheimer. This yeah, because the, the idea is that um, both like Oppenheimer and him, like they had problems with developing something that could destroy the world. Yeah. Mm -hmm. He He's a very... What a smart... I don't... I guess before I started this podcast, I didn't know what to call a smart movie. Christopher Nolan is the king of smart movies. Absolutely. He, he had, yeah, I, I don't know what to describe it, but he's just doing his thing and he doesn't really care about anything else. He's just about the story and... Well, I would, yeah. I would add to that, which is that it's not so much he doesn't care about the audience. I think he cares a lot because he waters down really extravagant ideas and makes it like understandable for the average person something like interstellar travel or um, reverse time travel and this entropy and all that stuff things that if we went to a college class we would be like you know knocked you out but now he's putting it he's doing it in a way that the average person can understand it yeah. Which is me, because I actually understood by the end of this what was going on, which I didn't think I would. I didn't think I was going to like this movie going in. Have you guys seen Memento? I have. I think I've seen pieces of it. There's a, there's a really funny uh, behind-the-scenes video where he's explaining the, the way memory works and how his structure works, because just really quick... Like, Memento's the film in reverse, right? It's like the movie that's, it's filmed forward and backwards okay. at the same time. Okay, yeah. So every scene ends at the start of the next scene. Okay, yeah. I think. Wait, doesn't every scene start at <laughs> the end of the next so scene? <laughs> every scene ends with the be. Every scene ends with the beginning of the scene before it. Yeah. Right. That, okay, yes. He draws like... Um, like a curved line and he's like, this is the beginning of the movie, this is the end of the movie, this is the middle of the movie, and we cut into like a zigzag. Yeah. So with this kind of movie, I can only imagine the chart that he would draw. Well, the YouTube videos had lots of charts, and I had a lot of swiggles. Mm -hmm. So they would show plot points, and they would show going backwards, then coming back in, and usually basically any time uh, for the viewer at home, imagine a line, this is you going forward in time. And then you go inside the little machine and you go backwards. And then when you go back to the machine, you go back this way. And so maybe if you put a cool image, I'll give you extra work to do for that. But just watch a YouTube video. They do a really good job. Most of them do that. They just show a bunch of pictures of every scene. 
And after I saw the pictures and I had a really good visual representation, I'm like, okay, I get it. Do you feel exhausted by the idea that you have to watch it multiple times to get something out of it, or do you enjoy that? Well, I can say I'm not watching it a second time. So everything I got out of it is what I'm going to get out of it. But for the most part, even just watching it once, let's say a year or two from now I decide, you know what, let me go back and watch Tenet again. I will take away something different. But going into watching it this first time, the concept for the movie was awesome to me. It's just enough that you can almost understand it. And that's why people love puzzles, right? And why we got, it's because you know when you're solving a puzzle, a puzzle that's really tough is a puzzle where you don't know where to start. Mm -hmm. With this one, I know exactly where to start because I understand, okay, I know he went into the thing and now he's going backwards. And so I, and like, what, so then you're like, why don't I understand this? Like, and so I think I kind of got mad at myself for like not understanding this. And so they give you just enough. And that's what makes puzzles. Like, I don't want to bring up D&D, but I think some of the best puzzles I've designed for you, like I think about the last we did with all the words, nobody could figure out it was the Greek alphabet. Yeah. But you all under, but then you started putting squiggles together. Maybe the squiggles have something to do with it. So now you have this piece. And so you get invested into it. And I think some of the best D&D puzzles, or just puzzles in general, is that if you can understand a little bit. Yes. And that's what this movie did well. You All you needed to know, and they explicitly tell you, in the beginning, when it's talking to the woman, and that's enough. You've got just enough, and the rest, figure it out yourself, and that's what made the movie fun. You know? It's yes. a word search with crazy, like, you're word searching through 15 pages. There's letters on pages that you need to yes. circle back to. It's really great. It's one of those movies that I feel like if you watch the trailer, you also wouldn't even get anything out of it. Yeah, I've seen the trailer for this movie way back in the day, and I can remember some pieces of it. It was a very simple trailer. It didn't really give a lot away. The most memorable thing is the glass screen and the bullet hole and Tenet, which I knew was a palindrome, saying forward and backwards. So, moving on from here, uh, what are some of the highlights to this movie? Okay, for me, it's the uh, red and blue at the end of the movie when he categorizes, because I, mean, I don't know what I can give away here, but the red and the blue each strategize going forward or going inverse. And then you have the one point where he just flips himself, and I was like, I thought you were going inverse. He's like, yeah, I flipped it. And I was like, oh, shit. I completely missed that scene where he flipped himself, and I was like, okay. And I went back and rewatched it, and I saw it. And so that whole scene of them storming the beach, and then them, half of them going back, half of them going forward, and then... I thought that was one of the great scenes of the movie. I think the first time our character goes inside, I mean, it's just awesome because a lot gets revealed in that moment, and you like, that's the first time you go, oh shit, that was that, oh shit, that was that. So, and then obviously, watching him get sucked underneath the, uh, the masked guy gets sucked underneath the. Yes. With the plane turbine and the little grate. Once you see that the first time, it's really cool, and then watching it the second time is even <laughs> more awesome. I think for me, just like the handling of like the reverse shots uh, when they're like mixed in, like the the fight scene at the the plane, the plane heist. Yeah, I think that's just so cool. Like, it, there's a lot of cool factor to it. And if you watch the behind the scenes, if you haven't seen that, I think it's a really good watch because they had to film some of that backwards and flip it forwards on the camera. Which normally you would do the opposite. Yeah. Imagine trying to comprehend this movie and you're watching it. Imagine trying to understand how you visually have to show this to people mm-hmm. and all the precautions you have to take to film this, like you just, just said. Just imagine like an audience member right now for us trying to listen to this podcast <laughs> and say, What did they watch? <laughs> Not knowing anything about it, just listening to these people describe this movie. Trying to dart around the spoilers, but really not, and then like fully explaining it, but then you're like what is this? Just listen. Go we watch. Explain the movie and still not get to the heart. Of it. So go watch the movie. Be lost. Come back and listen to this. Who gives off the best performance in the movie? The wife. Mm, good pick. I think her role is. It may be underplayed a little bit, but I think her role is so pivotal, and the way she plays her character is like spot on. It seems like she's playing the damsel, but I don't take her to be the damsel. Yeah, I think it's also part of her arc, too, mm-hmm. in a sense where, like, we we start with her on the boat. I mean, 
not technically on the boat, but like chronologically on the boat. <laughs> and and uh, she is that kind of weaker character. Like she's, uh, you know, under control of the, the husband and she's trying to find a way out. And then as it progresses chronologically, uh, she gets, you know, more of a backbone. There's so many great performances in here that I think it's just who you like as a character. And I feel like I'm leaning Robert Pattinson. I feel like, especially since, again, for this great audience that maybe hasn't seen Tenet, he plays almost three parts at one point. We have a good villain. Oh, a really good villain. Really awesome villain. I feel like we have a smart villain. I feel like we have... Become, and he, he plays such a schmuck. Like a real just... And it's... Because like when a villain reveals what they really want or their real character, it can kind of come off uh, cheesy. But in his case, I don't think it comes off cheesy at all. Bro, he's yes. in Harry Potter. Yes, he's he Lockhart. Is Lockhart, Remember Gilderoy this? Lockhart in Harry Potter. The yes. one who only knows the uh, memory. Yeah, okay. And he, yes. That's that the same guy. He's the goofiest with Kenneth. Yep, that's Kenneth Branagh. He has such a wide range. It's incredible. He's awesome. I think it's only fair that we talk about villains in general real quick. So how about top five favorite villains? Okay. Number one. Well, in no particular order. But just how random hit. I like Bane a lot as a villain. I think he's great. I like Doc Ock. I think just for being how iconic that movie is. How much I like it. I guess, I don't know if you consider him a villain or not. A Severus Snape from the Harry Potter franchise, even though he has a little redemption, even though I picked already like two villains with sort of a redemption arc, I do enjoy that, seeing that from them. Um, I like I like dynamic villains. I think you have to mention Thanos. Completely will just do anything. And this is my last one, and maybe you guys will agree or disagree. I love Fate. It's one of my favorite villains of all time. So maybe your last villain is uh, the killer in Final Destination. Don't take mine. <laughs> is that yours? Yes. No way. All right, well, that, literally, that's fate. Literally yeah. on my list. For me, uh, the Joker. Almost any except Jared Leto's, in my opinion, can take the cake. Uh, also on the Thanos boat there. Uh, Hannibal Lecter. Just in a premise. I forgot my fourth one now, but I had one. But um, to piggyback off the fate is the death in not necessarily the later ones, but at least the first two or three Final Destination movies. The aspect of death as a villain is portrayed so wonderfully. Like, the Final Destination is one of my favorite horror franchises mm. ever. Okay. So, the fact of death playing a villain and being inescapable in a sense because no matter what they do no one gets away and that bone chilling sort of dread watching these movies makes one of the greatest films in my opinion I am inevitable and then my last one is uh, the Jigsaw Killer I'm sorry I'm sorry <laughs> but the I had to take two off of my list because of <laughs> I'm sorry, but the ooh, early ooh, Jigsaw, ooh. not when the copycats and the prod- yeah. protégés take over. The original. The original. Yeah. That's a good His, uh, ide- ideology and the way he did things, him. I'm sorry. <laughs> Can you just say it one more time, Jigsaw Killer? Oh, yeah, the Jigsaw Killer is my last one. Oh, no, uh, say it like, as like a full sentence kind of thing. Oh, uh, and my last one would have to be the Jigsaw Killer, just on a whole. His ideology, for me was hands down. It's my second favorite horror franchise after Final Destination. It's a good pick. Really like that one. Solid. Nick. <laughs> yeah. I see a little revision going on over there, huh? Yeah, because you guys are coming up with some good <laughs> ideas and my list is just going to look like a combination of both. So, like, <laughs> I had Thanos on there, I had Joker on there, I had Jigsaw on there. I'm just like, damn, I can't I'm use this for one. it. Well, <laughs> but I, I still have a good list. I still have a good list. Alright, we'll, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, I have Hans Gruber from Die Hard. Yes. I have Frank Costello from The Departed. Okay. I've never seen The Departed. Great movie. 
Okay, that's the same. Keep going. Mike, <laughs> I have. I don't remember his. Uh, I think it's just called the Scorpio Killer, from uh, Dirty Harry. Okay. Uh, similar to the Zodiac okay. movie. Yeah. Uh, the Zodiac Killer. Uh, when, remember in the in the movie when they have like the scene where it got turned into a movie and it's playing in theaters. Yes. It was Dirty Harry. Dirty Harry did a movie about. A Scorpio killer and it was one of the first movies when I saw it I hated him so much the actual killer because they they show him plotting his kills yeah it makes you hate him like the most interesting okay. um, Darth Vader uh, yes and lastly dr. evil okay <laughs> no I like that all right I told you, have faith in my list yes no I like that I, I think it's your top five like it's your favorite it's people you yeah I mean, I love Doctor Who. Yeah, I mean, his motivations were like yeah. right up there. Like, for Father's Day, I don't know if we're doing the best father-son relationships in movies, but how do you have to do Doctor Who and Scott? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Scotty, don't. <laughs> you know, that's great. Let's go for final thoughts and ratings. If you're looking for something fresh, a fresh take on the genre of time travel and sci-fi, and you like action, which there's plenty of. You you you're gonna enjoy this movie. You have to stick with it though. Don't give up. If you feel like you don't understand, I think there's one payoff at the end of the movie where it feels worth it. And even if you just got that one payoff, um, you're gonna feel great about it. But you may leave, and yeah, I, it's so hard because I'm afraid if I tell people watch this, they're not gonna get it. And they're gonna feel cheated. Just know that going in, you might. But I still think it's worth your time. What way to take an idea that has been bastardized and like destroyed to the point of hilarity way to make it fresh five out of five for me great job christopher nolan never realized christopher nolan what he did who he was but knowing the movie he makes now this movie makes sense uh watching it can be a struggle if you're not committed if you don't like puzzles as jp says you might find yourself confused slugging along thinking is this movie worth my time i think it's worth anyone's time. If you like time travel, if you like sci-fi, if you like action, watch the movie. If you don't think you can commit enough time, then I'd say it's not even worth starting because you don't want to start it and not finish it. Trust me, it'll leave you worse off because I'm glad I didn't turn it off. Um, I agree. It's a five out of five movie for me. I might watch it again at some point, but not right away. And I'm a Christopher Nolan fanboy. So I think we all know where this is heading. I love the movie. I love movies that make you think. I like movies that uh, are action-packed and can have you think about new uh, old things, but in a new way, particularly with time travel. So I really enjoyed that. Great performances all around. Really well shot. I'm going to give it a 5 out of 5. Well, that comes to the end of an episode. I want to thank my buddy Mike Johnson for coming out. Thanks thank for being here. Thank you very much for having me. Um, Again, flash fan. All for it. Yeah, and uh, who knows, maybe if something else uh, convoluted comes out with DC Universe or we need another superhero. Hey, a blue beetle. <laughs> uh, we'll let you know. Oh, sorry. This has been an episode of Take 303. Thank you so much for watching. Make sure you're following us on Instagram at Fortway underscore media. And you're following us on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to us. And check out some of the content on our Patreon. We're always uploading stuff there. This week's question of the week is, who is your favorite villain and why? Movie or television? Could even be literature. We'd love to hear why they're your favorite villain. And finally, this week's poll question is, who is your favorite character from the Flash movie? We'll give you a few options, and we'd like to hear which one's your favorite. Next week's episode's movies will be Extraction 2 and Big Trouble in Little China. This has been another episode of Take 303. Thanks for watching. See you soon. Bye-bye.